0: Welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, June 15th, 2022, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. This week is the week leading up to Father's Day, and certainly within our culture and within our time fathers day is certainly not as a big of day as mothers day and unfortunately it's because of the pervasive fatherlessness that we have and the single parent households we have men who have failed to lead their homes but what we want to talk about today in light of Father's Day coming up this Sunday, is what does it mean for a man to be the spiritual leader of his home? What does it mean for a man to be a godly man that's leading the way and leading his family in actually the justice, the mercy, and the love of the gospel of Christ Jesus? And so, We are gonna talk today with with Dr. Rick and I back and forth about this topic of biblical manhood and reclaiming the gospel idea of what it means to be a godly father. But before I bring on Dr. Rick and we tackle this important subject, I wanna remind you about the How to Fund Your Adoption eBook. For those seeking to adopt, we have produced an eBook to help you as you financially prepare for the journey ahead. Unfortunately, we all know that adoption can be costly. There are a lot of costs that just aren't controllable. Uh, international costs, CIS cost, medical expenses, travel costs. There's so many costs that go into an adoption and we wanna help you know how you can fund your adoption, even maybe to adopt without debt. It's filled with tips, resources, contact information for grant organizations, and so much more. To receive this free ebook or to learn more, see our show notes, or you can email marcy.larsen. that's M-A-R-C-Y dot L-A-R-S-O-N at lifelinechild.org. So see our show notes or email Larson at lifelinechild.org. What's well, that time of the podcast where each and every week we bring in the venerable Dr. Rick? Uh, a guy who really needs no introduction, uh, a man with the plan, the one that is the superstar here at Lifeline. I kid you not, we go to conferences, and this is conference season. Um, even just earlier this week, we were at the Southern Baptist Convention uh, in California, and the line and the droves of people lining up to see Dr. Rick, uh, it, it it was it was unsightly. How many people were were going to know Dr. Rick? I call him the uh, the Pope of the SBC. And so, Dr. Rick, man, we got an important topic to talk about today.
1: You know, um, like how can I possibly follow that introduction? I mean, it it's uh, it, it can only go downhill from here. You know, Herbie, I, I think is like I'm always excited to do this podcast and I'm always excited for the conversations and the people we talk to and, and really kind of look forward to the times when you and I are just able to talk through things. But but my excitement today is um, to talk about fathers and to talk about, uh, you know, in advance of Father's Day and and part of just reflecting on this and thinking about what we were going to do and, ha- you know, what what we would have to say here, um, like I reflect back on my own dad And, and so part of, you know, part of my story is, is that my father grew up without a father, um, and, you know, and, and to, but, but the incredible part of that story is, um, is, is what a fantastic father he was and just God's graciousness to him. Uh, the, the story of uncles and and men that poured into his life and and gave him an example of fatherhood that he um, he lived out and you know in my mind exceeded Um, and so I it it, this is this is one of those uh, this is one of those dates on the calendar and one of those things that we celebrate that is you know really multifaceted even personally thinking about um, you know the 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 fact that, uh, my dad's with Jesus and, and that, uh, you know, like I, th- but I think in our hearts, like we never, we never lose the, the need for, or the yearning for having our, our father. And that ultimately I think that's grounded in the fact that God has created in us a hunger for him. And so this, there's this desire and lean in toward, toward him as a heavenly father. And, our our dads have so much of an impact in leading us to see the Lord and, and leading us to understand God in ways, and and so this is just this is really a cool time, and and I I'm looking forward to the, you know the next few minutes as we as we delve in and as you know as we jump into talking about um, the the concept of father and fatherlessness and kind of all the things that go around it. Um, and I think maybe the place to jump off into in this is to really kind of start um, in in the conversation about the the how the Bible presents the role of men as spiritual leaders and 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 our role to lead in the home and you know what that means and it's something that obviously a lot of people talk about in the culture <laughs> and and there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion and then quite frankly there's a lot of misinformation out there about. About what it is that God ultimately says, and so man I'd love for you just to kind of start to unwind that and and you know talk about because that's one of the things in image bearers that is is a um, you know is a really present theme is is like what's the foundation that God's provided for fatherhood
0: yeah and you know before I think we even go to that cornerstone which i I'd, I'd love to take us to Genesis chapter two even as we think about the spiritual leadership that started even at the very beginning in creation you know I I, I want to start where where we are today right and I think you and I I mean we we're coming into this podcast even with with really a, a heavy heart uh, because we have just spent time at the Southern Baptist Convention um, you know there's the guidepost report of sexual abuse uh, within the SBC and and not just sexual abuse but for both of us men that that we've looked up to that were named uh, in that report as, as using their power either to perpetrate a form of abuse or to cover up uh, abuse that had been inflicted. And I, I think there's kind of two sides of the coin, unfortunately, and the pendulum uh, of, of biblical manhood that we see today. Uh, there's either that overly uh, machoism, control, uh, almost to the point where we believe we're beyond the law, we're beyond uh, accountability, and 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 we war over and we 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 subjugate people, um, and and we make it much more of a narcissistic leadership uh, than a selfish servant leadership. But then I, I'm afraid on the other end, uh, we we as men. A lot of men have found that that it's much easier to amuse ourselves than to lead our families, to find amusement and pleasure than to care for our families. And I know this is an unlikely place to start this podcast, in some regards. But 1985, Neil Postman wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death, a public discourse in the age of show business. <clears throat> One of the things he says in that book that I think is just crushing, even as we talk about biblical manhood, because this is really the state of most manhood in our country. We have young men at 24 and 25 who are more interested in playing video games and getting on social media and entertaining themselves than Learning to be a godly man or learning to be a man that's going to love a woman and lead a woman. And Neil Postman actually said in that book, he said, Americans, and and again, remind you, this was written in 1985. This is this was written almost 36 years ago, 37 years ago. He said, Americans no longer talk to each other. They entertain each other. They do not exchange ideas. They exchange images. They do not argue with propositions, they argue with good looks, celebrities and commercials. It's crazy, almost like George Orwell's 1984, the prophecy of that statement. They change pictures and I mean, look, that's that's what we do, right? On social media with with the 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 media that are so popular. You know, I don't have two of these, I only have one of them, but Instagram obviously we're trading pictures. Uh I think TikTok and I I better be careful, I'm going to mispronounce these right where I think it's trading videos with people. And then you've got the one that, you know, as a father of a teenager is the scariest, which is Snapchat and um, which is where images are sent and then they can disappear. But we've got to start to teach men to get up off the couch, to get off of their amusement of themselves and to really start to lead. And leadership is hard and it's difficult, um, but God made us for those things. And and so I just real quick, and would love to get your response to Dr. Rick is we see in Genesis chapter two, verse 20 through 23, God's made man. He gave, he, he gives him the, the chore of naming all the livestock and the birds of the heaven and every beast. But it says in verse 20 that there was not a helper that was suitable or fit for Adam. And so verse 21, uh, it says the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, God took one of his ribs. He closed up in his place and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is the last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. There was no suitable helper for Adam. So God creates woman and we see that the picture from the very beginning is the marriage with the man as a loving godly leader and the woman as a helper and it's a supremely good thing and they're to work in harmony together but that harmony is broken when men refuse to become men and they sit on their couches and, and entertain themselves either pre-family or during their family or when men get into men get into this toxic masculinity and they lord over their wives and uh, over women
1: and I, you know, even as you say that, I think the, you know, you go back and you talk about Neil Postman and you know this declaration that he made back in the eighties, but but I really think this is one of those times also where we look back and say, you know, were the good old days really that good? Because going all the way back to Genesis two, well, just fast forward to Genesis three and four and five, and and the beginning of the story and and the entry of sin into the world through the fall that th- that dichotomy that you talk about between this macho um toxic masculinity and the passivity, like it's present. It, that's that's the story right at the very beginning. I mean, Adam, you know, and the and the story gets told poorly a lot in in you know Genesis three, Adam wasn't away and and deceived by Eve. Adam was standing right there and and standing by passively as as the serpent was talking to and tempting his wife. And then he passively stepped into sin um, rather than providing leadership. But then you just go forward a little bit more and you see Cain and, and the anger and the, the, the force of will and, and ultimately the physical force that, that, that Cain uses is, that's the that's sort of like the toxic masculinity side of it as well, and so we see right from the very beginning of the story of of the brokenness of creation that this is a this is a thing that's present and and it's been fought through the ages. I think the thing that we see today is is that gasoline's being thrown on the fire. Like there's there's so much in the economy that's being built around this. There's so much in like it, it's being fed from from all angles, and and quite frankly, the the difficult part is how much it's how much it's coming to bear in the church, and and how much um, men like us are, are under pressure to fold to those things because because those images really have become cultural expectations, and so to to live in a way that you. That you find that road that's not excess in one in one direction or the other, but there's that that quiet strength and and that steadiness and that protective heart and all those things that we're called to be as men. Um, that the that there's literally nothing around us. That, that really promotes that or, or or pushes that and I know you and I've talked about it a lot you know as we're as we're leading boys and as we're you know as, as our as our sons are growing from boys into men and um, the, the the fact of how hard the job is because because there's really very little in the world around us that you know that supports that and and we see that in the crisis you know of you um, you know of, of fatherlessness, um, and and so kind of I w- jump into the idea, and let's talk a little bit about the just unpack the the like the the image that God has created, and the way that that we as men bear the image of God in 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 living out a, a godly manhood in our family with our wives and with our kids and 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 like biblically where is that role like where does that come from
0: yeah and again you go all the way back to creation and that role comes from god and and i and i echo exactly what you said dr rick this is this was marred all the way at creation this is not a new problem this is not something that has been you know invented in the last 20 years of of this idea of the attack on manhood or the attack on the family you know satan's attack was obviously vertical um, man and God, but it was also horizontal. I think that's the reason that Jesus comes and says, Hey, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul in a vertical relationship. But then to love others as yourself, including your wife and your family and, and those around you and, and all the 10 commandments. I mean, Jesus says, Hey, the law and the prophets echo this, the 10 commandments, the first four about loving God vertically so that we ultimately love man horizontally. But, but the idea of headship came even before woman was created. So if in Genesis two twenty we see the creation of woman, in Genesis two seventeen, before woman was even thought of, God comes to man and he gives him the commands of life. And and he says, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for on the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So woman's not even a twinkle in man's eye. His rib's still in his rib cage. Woman hadn't been created. And God is giving man. The, the command in order to help lead the rest of humanity into what was the right way to go. And just like you said, one chapter later, boom, he's standing right there and he doesn't say boo. As his wife is being tempted, it, at least it was recorded for us, right? He doesn't say anything. And I think in, in, the, in, in, in just the way scripture goes and in the details, I think if he had have said something, we would have known, you know, Adam was pulling his wife, but instead the word is, it, it, the word is very clear, and Adam was there with his wife. In other words, he was passively there with his wife. And you know, we we have to have godly examples. I'm afraid at times within our culture, especially within American culture, we have have gotten so intoxicated with this idea of prosperity that prosperity is everything that we're looking for. I, I was meeting with a man last week, and and always same story, man, extremely prosperous. Uh, he has spent his life building an empire in a kingdom. And when we started talking about regrets that he have, has in life, his regrets where he didn't spend enough time with his wife and he didn't spend enough time with his children. Friends, like this is a man who has so much money that he's actually talking about. How do I not spoil my kids when I die? How do I, how do I not, um, have all of this 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 transfer of wealth, but how do I how do even give it away to the kingdom? But he's saying, I wish I hadn't of of missed time and energy that I had with my family. This idea of prosperity that you work 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 to gain 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 in order that you can relax, even to the to the event of I've got to enjoy everything that I'm doing. I've got to things have got to be peaceful, like going in and caring for fatherless men. You know. I'm sure if you went back and could pull your your you know your your uncles and and those those people that were men to your dad they wouldn't have said yeah it was easy I mean it was a, it was a layup like It was just something we did. It was, it was a lot of fun for us. It was work. It was hard work. It was intentional. They had to chase your dad. They had to be there for him. And I feel like a lot of times we're looking for things in bite-sized pieces and, and, and our attention span is so short. Like, oh yeah, you want me to help a father's child? I'll take him to the mall. I'll take him to go play catch. But when it really comes to investing in his life and being in the, there in the hard times, men, we are called by God to step into those places and to be uh, the the image of God as the Father. And and that's where even Ephesians 5, it says that as a man, not just to the wife, but really to humanity, we are to show the godly love, the godly protection, and, and the presence of God the Father. And and I think that's the thing. Maybe sometimes even when we talk about godly manhood, we don't grasp onto enough. We, we like to talk about, oh, leadership. We like to talk about, you know, spiritual headship, but we don't talk about presence. God, our Father, is present. He is never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And as fathers, the first step to being active in the lives of our children, the lives of our wives, the lives of our families, but also the lives of the fatherless and the marginalized and those around us is our presence.
1: You know, I think something comes to mind even as, you know, even as you're talking through that, I think that that certainly is like, like there's a profound reality there. And I think there are so many men that identify with this idea of, you know, chasing success and, and, and chasing and so cultural expectation is really like that we have to do those things in order to succeed. And, and you do you, like you see men, godly men, honestly, men that love Jesus, but just but really, you know, turn back around, look at their life and say, oh, like, oh, what an opportunity I've wasted. I, I think on the other side of things, you know, the, you hit on this idea about about like entertaining ourselves to death but I I think there is a there is a pressure on fatherhood uh, in many Christian homes that that we feel a tacit pressure to have to live up to the standard of everyone else and that we're that we have to give our kids you know the right experiences and the right education and they have to play on the right travel ball team and they have to do you know and and there's there's like all of these things that we feel are requirements to, in order to be a, a top-notch dad, and and in reality, um, many times those things are noise and distraction, and and so we end up chasing those things powerfully, but what ends up not happening is using the time that we're present with our kids in order to be able to invest the word of God and in order to be able to invest the heart of God into you know into our kids. Um, and, and, it's, and it's because we're so like we're so fond of being distracted um, and, and we, you know, we find it so easy. And and again, I think you like that goes all the way back to original sin. Right. Like it's 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 I mean, you know, Satan's first technique was was to get Adam and Eve to take their eye off the ball and to to not realize the stewardship that they've been given for the garden and to not realize that part of the stewardship was to obey God and, and to, and, and to put some things out of their life. Um, and, and I think, you know, and, and I'll, and this may be a little bit of a weird connection, but I think, um, you know, I've, I've talked very openly here on the podcast about, you know, being the dad of kids with special needs. Um, and I'll confess that, you know, like part of the journey in that is like, I think we all have, you know, these idyllic pictures as parents of, of what we, we hope our kids are going to be able to do and what they're going to grow up to be and all those sorts of things. And, and, and I will say that um, like we struggle as a result of some of the challenges that are a part of our family. But I also thank God for, for the fact that um, like we can't even pretend to be normal. In a lot of ways, and and so and so the pressure to chase after many of those things is is different, and it it really has you know provided a little bit of an opportunity for you know reflection, and I and I think the the realization as a man that that your family is in a battlefield. And that there's a battle going on right in the middle of your family, and there's a culture and an enemy who's a deceiver and who's a liar, who who wants to do anything to keep your kids from following Jesus and and to do, to do anything to keep your kids from 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 becoming and, and living into uh, the the role of image bearer that they've been given in its fullness because because they're in Christ and and that and that we get we get so distracted as men having to try to fix stuff and having to try to like create perfection and having to try to 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 construct and that and that that ultimately what the enemy's doing is he's using those things that reflect the image of God our creativity our drive our need to steward like all of those things that are really good things he he the enemy deceives us into bending those things into becoming ultimate things. And, and you know, and I think the and so part of part of this thing and, and, and I think part of the antidote for fatherlessness is that we do have to be those men who are aware of boys and young men and, and sometimes even men our own age who haven't had those examples and to walk with them in ways that 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 they're able to see an example and and that they're able to be led to understand what it means to to live out godly manhood but i think the other part of it is is that's what that's what accountability is about in the body of christ and and i think we get men get scared of this because they think it's going to like accountability means that we're going to sit down and read a list of questions and and that we're going to you know like we're going to unduly get in each other's business and all that and and certainly maybe that is part of it but accountability is not just looking at each other once a week and saying i haven't looked at porn this week <laughs> right like accountability is asking each other hard questions and and talking about like how are you loving your wife well how are you you know how how are you spending time with your kids well how you know one of the one of the things that i you know really appreciated about the you know, even the, the chapter on fatherhood in image bearers was just some of the simplicity of you know of what's there. Like the idea that as a dad, something you need to prioritize is spending individual time with each one of your kids. Like to focus on them. Why? Because 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 you want them to have a a, a positive view of you as a loving father. Because because even in your brokenness, you help them to see and to believe a reality that God's a loving heavenly father that doesn't have any of the brokenness that you do. You know? Um, and, and, and that, and, and the, that all this, like this lie about quality time, it's just a lie. (laughs) There's no substitute for quantity time. (laughs) And, and that, and that like, I, I will reflect back and say there were times when, um, like my dad was reading the newspaper, right? But he was there, and he was present, and he was accessible, and and if I engaged him, he and you know, like he engaged me back, or or at times he intuitively knew, like I'm not going to read the paper, I'm going to put it aside because because I want to because I want to lean into my lean into my boy because he needs something, and, and and that that dance that we get to do many times, I think we're just we're we're pressing to fulfill expectations that we believe are, are part of the checklist of what it means to be a man um, in, in, in role and task and responsibility. And at the end of the day, I don't really think God gives two hoots about a whole bunch of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even to that, Dr. Rick, and I know we've talked about that. And just a simple way for any man to start really investing investing in his family is that individual time. It's the individual time to, to date your wife, right. And to continually date your wife and to pursue her and to pursue her soul and to pursue her heart. You know, uh, a guy who sometimes uh, can show up, right. Uh, a little bit heady, wrote a very practical book, um, called how to date your wife. Uh, and, 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 you know, uh, it's a it's a fantastic Kevin De Young How to Date Your Wife. It, it, it's a, a fantastic book that's really overly simplistic, uh, but it goes back to pursuing the heart of your wife and by by doing things together, by finding those things that you enjoy, and to what you said, spending quantities amount of time with her um, to help her feel special. And and again neither of us are saying we do this perfect. We're saying we know what to do. And we know that we're trying to move to that target, but, but we're, but we're, we're doing it, you know, one foot at a time. And the second thing that I say is, is doing something with your children that they enjoy on a regular basis. And so, you know, for one of my, ch- for one of my children, we have a, a weekly walk and we go on the exact same path. Uh, sometimes rain, sleet or snow, we go on it. And, it's at those times that that child really will open up and sometimes we'll ask questions and I have to have the humility to go, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but you want to find that out together. Do you want to seek that together? Like I'll covenant with you that I'll start trying to figure that out and think through that so we can do that together. I think then the, the other thing is is just being available, but also being humble enough to say, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but you know what? I do know who does hold all the answers and let's go search and let's let's go there together. You know, our kids don't need to think that we're just the place they go for information, but they also need to know how we find our information and how what we're doing that teaches them even to rely upon the spirit of the Lord, to rely on prayer and to rely on the word of God. They also need to know that we don't do things perfectly. And so I think a a strong ethic, and I would say my wife has helped me with this more than anyone else, is to, is to apologize when we're wrong to our children. Even when we're right, but we did the right thing the wrong way. Uh, you know, I think there's times, hey, I was right in what I said, but I wasn't right in the way I said it. And going back and, and apologizing to our children, but also that's just a strong ethic to show I'm not God. I I but I know who is. And I'm 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 surrendering my life to Him. And then, you know, one of the the last things, Doctor Rick, and I, I know we're, we're we're closing down here and getting towards the end, but I just I want to touch on something you said before. And you and I have both done student ministry, and the worst type of accountability, especially for young men, but for old men, is the type of accountability where you sit in a room and you talk about all your sins, um, and and you ask to be held together because you and I have both seen it where. A group of young men will get together and they'll talk about the struggle with pornography. And really all they do is justify each other's struggle with pornography to go, oh, I'm not the only one that's struggling with that. Oh, fine. And and instead, we need to get men together that it's focused around God's word and it's focused on our pursuit and it's, it's focused on laying our individual sins at the foot of the cross and, and, and sometimes, you know, making sure that we really do have, like Paul tells uh, Timothy, like Paul tells Titus, older men who are helping the younger men. And so sometimes, brothers, we need men that are a little bit ahead of us, that are holding us accountable for those types of things. Uh, we, we need older men that are stepping up and uh, that are willing to not just invest in the fatherless, but invest in those fathers who are trying to be fathers to their children and, and husbands to their wives. And so we need the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is essential. And in a day and age where church attendance is going down and the church is is being marginalized in our community, I know you and I are both churchmen that would say, we need the body of Christ now more than ever. And, I, you know, Herbie, I think as, even as
1: you say that, I, th- I think one of the things I feel kind of impressed to say is that that. A, how we do accountability in many times like what we're unwittingly doing is we're finding our identity in our sin (laughs) like like we're like the the thing that we're coming together and and the thing that we're talking around and the the center point of those environments isn't isn't pointing one another toward christ it's it's like talking about the difficulty of our sin and about like our shared experience and our sin, and there's there's a place for that on some level. Confess, confess your sins one, you know, to another, and 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 you know, Paul talks about the healing that we find in in those in environments. But the thing is, like, our sin is not our identity, and our sin is not our glory, and it doesn't it doesn't ultimately, um, you know, glorify or honor Christ, except for the fact that we can point to the transformation and the fact that we're, that, that, that we have an identity that's, that's something else and that we're growing and, and becoming, you know, more like Jesus. But, but I, I, yeah, I think we just, many times we just get it all wrong. And so what we're not doing and, and brother, I'll, you know, like I, this is probably not, I mean I don't know this may not be okay for me to say here, but I think I think one of the things that that I enjoy most about our relationship is is the ability to to sit and talk and to encourage and to yeah, we talk about our problems, we talk about our struggles and our difficulties and our failings and all those kinds of things but the but the sum total of all that is not to sit and dwell and and to waller in our sinfulness or to, to find our identity there, it's to encourage and to remind one another that that's not who that's not who we are. That we are that we are sons of the King. That we've been transformed. That we've been redeemed, and and that encouragement to say, press into that. <laughs> you know, be that as a dad. Be you know, be that example. That that First Corinthians, you know, 11, one. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, what like what we're supposed to be for our kids. Is is straining to be like Jesus, so that we ultimately lead our kids toward a life to strain to be like Jesus in in their sanctification.
0: Amen. Oh, and you know, I, even to add to that, I think one of the life giving parts when we do share those struggles, uh, and I hope I do this for you as much as you do it for me, Doctor Rick, is the always the encouragement is to look back to Jesus, is to look back to Christ. Uh, and and to know, hey, I, I feel your pain. I know what you're going through. Right. Uh, but 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 even when you're right, <laughs> maybe you're, maybe I'm justified even at times. It's but don't don't sit in your justification. Love, press in, go forward um, in, in all types of situations, trying to, min- to, to be like Christ. And yeah, we, we don't want to limit ourselves to, to, to justifying each other's sin or struggles. But pushing each other to be more like Christ. Well, bro, you know, you and I could sit here and talk for hours about this, and, and maybe that's what we should do next week on the other side of Father's Day is is talk again about biblical fatherhood because it's such an important topic. Uh, we will we will definitely do this again. Talk about biblical fatherhood and biblical manhood. It is so important, and we don't need to just be talking about it in the middle of June. We need to be talking about it every day and every week because we desperately need homes that are built on the gospel that will love our children well, that will love our wives well, that will love our families well, so that our families then can be light in this dark, dark world for Christ. We're so grateful that you've joined us for the Defender Podcast, and we hope that you will join us again next week, next Wednesday at the same time.